1: Um, we lent my son some money for him to buy a house. He bought the house, the d 3 his name, he's now moved out and he rents it out. He's now, or we're looking to basically take that back because he still owes us the money for the house and he doesn't want anything to do with it, he wants to just give us the house. The solicitor is saying we've got to pay SDLT on it do we, because I don't think we do. We gifted him that, he's gifting us that back. There's no monetary transaction. We're saying that it's 135, that we lend him 135 for coming back to us. How much, is, how much is the property worth today? Possibly 150, but...
2: And did you give him the entire money to buy the property? Yes. Is it a cash property, as in no mortgage on Correct. There's no mortgage on No. That's fine, he can gift it to you. That's what I thought. Therefore, zero SDLT. There's other ways around it as well, but that's made a really easy to answer to the question. About.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that was my understanding. So, if I just go back to my solicitor and say I want to return zero SDLT, he's obliged to then do that or
3: tell me to find another solicitor. <laughs> tell him speak to my shaz. <laughs> it's probably the second option. Okay, so lawyers
2: and solicitors.
3: What two
2: different types of people by the way. He's, uh, a, he's a compliance officer. <laughs> one, right? So he's not a solicitor then. No. Okay, so he's a lawyer. Uh, they aren't allowed, they're not allowed to give you tax advice. They're not supposed to give you tax advice. So if you're really dead and boring like me, you'll read the 80 page 10 conditions, and about on page 79, it'll say, we do not offer you tax advice, <laughs> so therefore you are not speak to a tax advisor. But they insist on filing your FDOT return. Which is to do with tax, yeah. and we do a lot of work in STAT, uh, both for clients and lawyers and solicitors, but they never allow us to file the STAT. So he's going to, he or she will insist that they, they, they file the STAT return. and they will insist they file it on the figure they think is most appropriate. But you just tell them very simply: there's no consideration, therefore there's no STAT. He should understand.
1: He should. If he does us find somebody else. Yeah. I mean, he, he sent us a thing through as well to um, get my son to fill in and have declared that it was a gift that we gave him and he's given the gift back to us. And to me, that was the justification and obviously that he's not doing it to defraud any creditors or there, anything. No, you can do it for There are no creditors, unless obviously he has a business. In, which he doesn't yeah. and everything, yeah. but that's, that was the point of this. And to me, that was everything needed to say, it's just a gift. And did he live in that property?
2: He did, yes. So, therefore, even if he sends it to you, and it's worth more,
3: there's no capital gains tax to be. Because it was a residential. I well, we should remind her. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we the same appetite. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and we'd obviously extended our
1: mortgage, which we don't <laughs> want to pay some off.
2: And then once, once that property is gifted back to you, or gifted to you, you
1: can then refinance anyway. Uh, that, that's important. what we want to do, yeah, refinance it so we can have some money back. Yeah, That's the whole purpose So, it. So, yeah. so friend over here and then we'll come to you. Thank you. Just referring back to your example earlier, um, with the site we're looking to develop, down one end, we've got a big old hangover workshop which has got a lot of asbestos in it and we have bedpacks. Um, am, I, am I right in thinking, because I, I saw you used the words uh, land remediation relief, can we get on, on <coughs> when you move, in, when you move into
2: your limited company, yes, so, and, and when you pay to have that cleared, yes, you can. Uh, but not without the company. And when you do that, you can't get a discount on the value of the property because it's got contamination of some form. If you get a discount, or the person selling to you has done the work, then can't uh, land in relation. What do you mean, discount? So let's say I'm buying it from you, I'm changing your property was 500 grand, right. it's gonna cost me 50 grand to clear the contamination. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't pay you 500 grand, I'll pay you 450. Right. Yes. So you either get the work done and sell it to me, or sell it to me for 450. Okay. If you sell it to me for 4, 450, because you've given me a discount yeah. to clear the contamination, yes. I get no additional tax revenue. Okay. So I have to pay you 500 grand, right. then get it later. So our friend over there and then we'll come to it. OK, go on. Um, can that be done, retrospectively, if there was soil contamination
1: and you had to have the soil clear cleared? Like? As in? once that, well, that property is being built? Obviously, it probably wasn't claimed at
2: the time. You have to claim it within two years. OK. Yeah, and you can't go back for two years. Yeah? Thanks. If you're buying a commercial property using your SAS pension,
1: yeah. commercial, you're going to hold it in your SAS. Can you claim capital allowances on that? And also, if you're doing a loan back
3: to purchase a property to hold it in your limited company, can you claim the capital allowances?
2: Okay, so to answer your first question, does a SAS pay tax? <coughs> no? So SAS doesn't pay tax. And capital allowances are there to reduce your tax bill, yeah? So therefore, you can't claim capital allowances in a SAS because you can't write them off against any taxable profit because there's no such thing. Yeah. Okay? So if you're buying a commercial property, which is a good question by the way, in a SAS, no capital allowances because there's no taxable profit. Yeah. And but if you're bar, if you're going down the line back route, the yeah. company is purchasing the property, therefore you can then. Yeah. So you can loan back up to fifty percent. Yeah. Okay. If you do that to aid into the company or your sponsoring company or the SaaS's sponsoring company, then that company can claim capital allowances, no problem. Okay. So if you're buying a property which has a significant amount of capital allowances, Oliver, like this hotel, because hotels usually have a higher amount of capital allowances, uh, like 40%, 50%, 60%, it might be sensible not to buy that particular property through a, a SaaS. But if it's got average or standard capital allowances, then this Right, the SAS is fine. You can forego that advantage, all the other advantages that you're going to get in terms of not paying tax on the income, financial income, or if you tell it, no capital gains tax, no inheritance tax to the SAS, is a trust here, so you've got loads of other benefits which outweigh capital allowances. Okay? Anybody else? Yeah,
3: just a quick one. If you own uh, a property, and you're old, and you're going to pass it on, um, and Are you talking about also, me, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Uh, old. no, no, I'm joking. Um, you want to develop the either site in some way or add value to it, but you want to avoid the inheritance tax implications. And you know, say you were doing something with a child, and they're going to be the one inheriting it, and they want to do the development, but you don't want to add to the bill. Um, is there a way for them to do it or do you think there anything creative around that or do you want it to be more specific?
2: You can, uh, but you
3: then need to
2: split the property and give give them that share of the property and then they can obviously carry out the work to it. You, when you give them uh, the property, then you've got capital gains tax uh, issues. But if you use the example not? of our friend over there, if there's some land, Land on its own, that planning is worth a lot less
3: than if you're gifting somebody a property, and they're going to build upwards. So you could kind of gift them the roof. You got, got where I was going, maybe, but it's going to be complicated. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. And just just touch again because you just mentioned it on gifting and capital gains tax and and the problems with that. Uh, so gifting something before you die as opposed to inheritance tax afterwards. Yeah, so
2: if Seven years. if, you, Seven make years a, if you make a gift to somebody, there's capped against tax consequences. Hence why when I asked John, did your son live in the property? If he did, he doesn't pay any tax because he claims principal residence relief here. If his son didn't live in the property, he'd have to pay capped against tax on the upgift of the value. So let's say your parents, if they're alive, or if, if you've got children if you, and you've got property, if you give property to your children, you have to pay capital gains tax for the value of the gift. If you then survive seven years, then there's no inheritance tax to pay on that particular gift. If you don't survive seven years, then you may potentially pay capital gains tax and inheritance tax. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you die within the first three years. After three
3: years, we will be the tapering kind of. It reduces down to seven years. How oh, would the CGT be on half a million pounds of normal property gifted to the Basic rate taxpayer,
2: 18%. high rate taxpayer, 28% on residential, on commercial, 10 and 20. So technically it's more efficient than IHT if you can survive seven years. It is, but it's even better to try and include your children, as especially if you have a limited company, which was a good question I asked earlier, to have your children as shareholders uh, at an early stage, so you give them A, B, C shares, what they call it alphabet shares, give them some, some of those shares uh, and then the growth and the value of those shares isn't going to be taxable on you because they own the shares. And when you pass away, it's not taxable on the estate because they own the shares. That make sense? Yes. So try and get them involved as soon as you can. The challenge you have, which is what most people have, is they want their children to get to a certain age when they're going to be sensible with the money, as opposed to obviously refinancing a property and then spending that money elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And the other concern people generally speaking have is but if they end up getting married and that, yeah. then the marriage doesn't work out and yeah. what happens with all that stuff. So those are the two kind of main concerns people usually have. Yeah?
3: You could control the property with a charge over it to start refinancing yeah. in some way. You can the control the charge. But right. you can't control the divorce situation yeah. if that
2: happens. Yeah. So and again, the bigger the, the portfolio, the bigger the concern. Mm. Yeah. But try and include them uh, as shareholders, as, as early as you can. Peter? Right. I think there's a problem. And is trying to indicate to me now where he wants me to go, by the way. All right. In <laughs> case anybody's <laughs> wondering why he's getting closer. No, interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll
3: be quick. So, if giving shares to your children is a good idea, but mortgage companies don't seem to like it.
2: And Richard is going to answer that question for us. Richard, do most companies like giving shares or having a company where shares are owned by children? You mean
3: a limited company property? Yeah, that's right. Um, so Peter owns a company? I've literally never come across it. I don't know how they would
2: look at it. Okay. Yeah, they, have, they, they don't like it. Uh, so if you make them a minority shareholder, that's so less than they've got 15% or 20% of the shares, you'll be okay. Alongside that, what you do to give them some comfort, with alphabet shares, so these are A, B, C, D, E class shares, uh, you can limit their voting rights. So they have no voting rights at the AGM or any at the point, so they can't stop you stuff. Yeah. You can limit their rights if the company's wound up. okay? And then you can limit their rights to a distribution or, or dividend. So if you limit their rights, mortgage companies, I'm, I'm not a finance broker by the way, mortgage companies will be a bit more confident and uh comfortable because then they know you have most
1: of the controlling the power too about control. So, so don't they generally look at the directors rather than the shareholders.
2: Yeah I was it's just, just going to
3: say I mean so long as the directors are giving personal
1: guarantees.
2: Yeah then you're okay but if 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 you're a, if you're not a minority shareholder and then, then, then they look at you as well but if you want like 10, 15, 18% then you're okay then look at
1: other characters. What we found is that if you were a shareholder you had to be on the mortgage. So um, we did that, we tried to, you know, there's the funny talk about shares, but because they're a shareholder, they then had to be on the mortgage. And my wife got a bit upset and she said, Why well, have I got to sign now? I'm going to do this. So it was easier to remove her. But, um, <laughs> the wife or <and> the kids? <laughs> I'm assuming that because if they're kids,
3: they can't be because they're under 18, I'm going to assume. You said remove her. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. You can sign as their parent. Extreme. So,
1: yeah, so if if you make them shareholders, most members want this on the mortgage.
2: We couldn't get around it. Yeah. But if they're minority shareholders, they they ask you less questions. And as John has said, Richard over here, if you give them personal guarantees, which they want anyway nowadays, that minimises their risk. Last question from Julie, I think it was. Just like John's son living in that house. Um, That's nice for him, isn't it, by the way, Julie? Yeah, that one ask him. Um, What's the minimum. Length of time you need to live in that house to be counted as having lived in that house. No limit. What, like a day? It could be a day. Yeah. yeah. If he's giving gifting it to John, so it's the quantity of the occupation. Yeah. As opposed to the length of the occupation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you live in a property and you're on the electoral roll. Yeah. Your if, you, if you have children, they go to a local school. Mm-hmm. You use a local doctor, local dentist. It goes to the local church, mosque, synagogue, or wherever, yeah. okay, you're part of a, a local charity, that demonstrates you're embedded in the local community. Therefore, Julie, you're more likely to demonstrate that that was your home yeah. for foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. If you live in a property for a day and then say, Can I claim PPR? Because I'm telling you I'm going, i making that sweat, it's not gonna work generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, so some accounts might take you three months, some 86 you six months. There's no time limit. Yeah. But if you're moving into a property for three months, six months, and you do it again and again and again, you'll have a problem. Yeah. Do it yeah. Once in a while, you'll be
0: okay. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.